Hey listeners, Pete here. Just a fair warning, about 20 minutes into the pod, my mic decided to take a crap and we didn't realize it until after the recording. I think the audio is listen-to-able, but it's not the quality we want to put out there and we apologize. Um, I guess it's fitting with what just happened to our team, but I'm sorry about that and try to enjoy the rest of the show. I wasn't sure I'd ever... uh step out do my own thing it took this place to do it and it is virginia tech this isn't some rinky dink ass program i don't know if i could follow that one up i'm yelling into the void and that's what i like doing (laughs) pete nobody's looking at your tweets we're going to recruit our footprint and we're going to work our tails off to bring those virginia kids to blacksburg those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy the relationships are very important to me that's what this place is built on that's your boy that's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave for the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech lost to West Virginia 33-10, to Robbie. I was there. I witnessed the pain in person. It wasn't great. How you doing, bud? I'm doing all right, about as well as I can be after uh, a, a tough loss and uh, what ended up being a bit of a one-sided loss on the scoreboard, but we'll get into the details on, on that. So uh, I'm ready ready to put it fully past me and, uh, and move on. I did not watch a lot of co- college football this past weekend. I was in a little bit of a funk after our, our Thursday night game. So. I have to agree with you on that one, dude. It's something about after taking that rough loss, it's hard to like enjoy the sport as much. I caught a little here and there, but I just did other things. Anyway, give us that cheers. So uh, cheers to press and record, moving on, keeping rolling here with, uh, with the podcast uh, and on to hopefully uh, better things this upcoming week. Um, was, was not super pumped to have to jump on here and recap uh, that game, uh, to be quite honest and frank with everybody, but I'm here for it. I'm here to discuss it, to fully put it past us, and I'm, I'm ready to talk hurricane game uh once again <laughs> cheers man cheers to press and record these weeks are the toughest after those brutal losses getting on here and kind of facing the music although i do think we both usually feel better after it's over it is it's rough uh the acc in general had a rough weekend we <laughs> lost we started it off in a bad way losing to wvu but miami was a ranked team and lost to Middle Tennessee State, who, if people aren't aware, got beat by JMU in game one, like 44 to three. And then they just beat Miami, a top 25 team from the ACC. Now, Miami was fraudulent, it, it would appear. But <laughs> uh, yeah, just not a good weekend. Duke lost to Kansas. Not an entirely surprising result. Kansas is playing pretty well and they're a year ahead in their rebuild. But uh, they, they at least showed up a little bit. Like yeah. they, they made it the game. Uh, in the AP poll, we had NC State moving to number 10. Wake dropped to 22 after losing the matchup against Clemson. 
and FSU popped into number 23. So with Miami moving out, we've got Clemson, NC State, Wake, FSU at 23, and Pitt at 24. So it's 22, 23, 24, ACC filling in those gaps. And there's two ranked matchups within the conference this weekend. Yeah. What do you think about that Wake move in the AP poll? Because that was their game. They gave it away to mm-hmm. Clemson. They, I mean, they had them on the ropes. It was a high-scoring game. So it's almost like an indictment of Wake's defense, I guess, because it, they still showed that they got a good offense. And they took you know a very highly-ranked team. I don't know what Clemson will end up being at the end of the year, but I, I feel like yeah they got they got dropped a bit. But honestly, I came. Away I was thinking, impressed. Yeah. with how well they move the ball on Clemson. That I mean, Clemson's defense is still really good. And DJ, you want to talk about an indictment of yeah. Wake's defense? I know DJ's starting to play a little bit better, but that was a great game by him, and might kind of show you the problems that Wake Forest is going to have the rest of the season. Uh, most notably, this upcoming weekend against Florida State, right? Yep, that's right. Uh, so, but I'm I'm a pump for that Clemson NC State game, man. It's uh, number five versus number ten. It's not in Raleigh; it is in Clemson. So um, it would have been cool if it was in Raleigh because then you could really feel that NC State you know upset coming. Yep. We'll make the pick later, but that's going to be a good game. Yep. Let's go to the depth chart and the injury updates. We had a couple guys that left the game. One of which was Dorian Strong. He's dealing with a hand, and then Strowman got ejected for uh, targeting, and he will probably end up missing the first half of UNC pending any kind of appeal. Uh, Strowman's a little bit of a loss because he comes in the game when when Chamari moves around. And yeah. so he's and he's been playing well. I've been very impressed with Strowman so far. So we'll need Strong. I mean, we know UNC has a good QB, and we really would like to have our best corner in the game. Yeah, uh, not having him, um, that's it's tough. And he went out. I didn't see when he went out, but he was out the whole – was he out the whole second half of the game? Is that right? I think so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's – and and look what happened, um, you know, yeah. there. So, um, if you need if you need evidence of uh, his importance on the field. So, um, yeah, that's that's tough. And then the targeting, it just sucks because, what, there were six minutes left in the game when yeah. that happened. So, I don't know. It's in the moment. You don't know. But it, it's so bonehead because the – the game was kind of already lost at that point. So to lose a player when you basically have, you know, very little chance of winning. I know there was the late touchdown, so we were still kind of in it, but it's just, it sucks to have that outcome and lose a player for the first half of the next game. I mean, Bonehead could sum up a lot of what happened the other night. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. Kelly Lawson is now listed as the starting will linebacker. He's got an or designation with Keller, but McDonald has now moved all the way to third string at the will. Will Johnson, speaking of Wills, is backing up Dax now at Mike. And it's no longer is Keyshawn Artis even on the depth chart. So I thought that was an interesting note. Will Johnson, he had some shoulder surgeries, I think. But he was a guy they were really excited about initially and has had some injury problems. But if he's moving up the depth chart, I'm happy to see it because we're going to need a new Mike once Dax is gone. Mm-hmm. Mention Strowman. And then there was no Malachi on the chart yet again. It's not looking good for him playing against UNC. He's been running a little bit, and I know he's dressing out for practices, but it's probably going to be at least another week or two before we see him. Yeah, and I don't know. We'll get into the <laughs> offensive line. and the, the, Does it even matter, the, right? That's, that's where I was going with it. 
Um, I don't, I don't know that it matters. I mean, yes, he's the, he's good. So maybe he can squeeze out some more, you know, a little bit more juice out of this kind of rotten, you know, lemon or whatever we have going on here. <laughs> uh, but I don't know that it necessarily matters. It's sad as it yeah. is to say. So we dropped 18 spots in the SP plus that, that is a significant drop for like not after the first game. I know it's still early in the year, but that's a, that's a big drop. We're number 79 now. And I would have a feeling that uh, that could be the lowest SP plus for us in maybe 20 years. I don't know that for a fact. I was going to like maybe tweet it bill, but if it's not the lowest, it's one of the three lowest spots we've been in since the nineties. And that is, um, Primarily due to uh, our our moving two spots up in offense uh, is not happening. So I think uh, <laughs> I think the yeah one nineteen on O man yeah that is abysmal. Uh, it is it is it is real real bad. Uh, so yeah that that it was raw all the defense actually I don't think got dinged too hard. Um, probably dropped a little bit, but I don't even think it was that bad, at least from an SP plus uh, perspective. That was almost all offensive driven. Yeah, they uh the defense moved back only four spots. Yep. So they're they're still number twenty three. It's a top twenty five defense according to that metric, 29th on special teams. So they acquitted themselves well, pretty well uh, at least against a good quarterback and who had a lot of plays to rack up those yards. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into it when we get into the more specific yeah. things about, because the, I think the, the defense uh, deserves um, a good look at it, not just looking at the box score uh, mm-hmm. because it, it, it really, I think it was overall not their finest performance, but it was a good enough performance to win a game. Agreed. So we're going to get into the reaction line uh, voicemails for you right now before we get into the game rec- recap. But again, make sure to put earmuffs on any kids before <laughs> you play this in your car. We'll let you listen to those now. I'd just like to say hello. Um, my name is Grant Bells. I'm from the UK. I'd just like to share my thoughts. First of all, I'd like to say the Hokies are a really poorly coached football team. Man, that was a brutal game. Wow. Yeah, you're not going to win very many games with that many penalties. It's just not going to happen. Poor gap assignments. Getting whooped on both lines of scrimmage. More penalties than a poorly coached Oakland Raiders team. Secondly, I'd, I'd like to say hiring the Jaguars tight end coach to be our offensive coordinator might have been a mistake. Uh, they had opportunities, though. The muff putting for one. They could have taken that it could have changed the game it's sad to see the, the Dax Holyfield um, roughing the passer that really hurt that could have changed the tide of the game bottom line I'm starting to think that this we have a bad coaching staff that can't coach fundamentals and that's a problem the jury is still out on Brent Fry whether or not he's a good coach we're not going to find out in three or four games unfortunately it's going to be a two-year process yep that's the West Virginia starting quarterback all right that's him. He's ugly as fuck, right? It's not that hard to see. His haircut is shit. Poor offensive play calling. The run up the middle on fourth down when you're pretty much in the red zone there. Why in the world would you want to do that when it didn't work against Wofford? I mean, it didn't work against Wofford. You really thought it was going to work against West Virginia? Come on. Brent Pry. 
you fucked it. You didn't kick the field goal. And our offense is a goddamn dumpster fire. Enjoy the tailgate. Enjoy the food. Drink a few beers with some friends. Enjoy the, the game days. It's going to be a rough year, but stay strong. Be patient. I have faith. We'll turn this around. Hey, Pete. Robbie. Yeah, I just slept on it, man. And the uh, only question I got is why? Why? All right, Tim, I'm going to hang up and listen to you. I thought this reaction line was actually really good because one of the guys we had a call from overseas, right, Robbie? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm not so sure that that was a real person, Grant Bell's, but man, that was funny. um, I have not listened to all of them. I only got that one clip that you sent to me, I think. I don't know if I got the rest of them. So I I will be listening to it again um, when I when I hear it again on the on the podcast. I listened to that one ten times probably. <laughs> I played it for a bunch of people that were around me. Um, so that was my go to. I I just love I love his perspective and then the the whole Jaguars piece was absolutely cracking yeah. me up. He was the- he was reading he was like going down the list of my tweets from set or Thursday when I was down in Blacksburg and just like reading them off yes. and then like reacting to them in the British accent and I just I was like in stitches listening to some of that man. It was it was, it was incredible. It was good. But I spliced them up with um, Devin called in again. We had a couple of repeat callers and then some just good reactions on the game stuff that we're going to talk about now. But, uh, but hope you enjoyed the reaction line. Make sure to call 540-251-2169 during the UNC game. If you want to get in on the reaction line, that's 540-251-2169. All right, Robbie, let's do this game recap. It was a tight first half. And we talked a little bit about that before we got started. We started with a three and out on defense. And then after letting West Virginia move the ball about 92 yards, we were able to hold them to a field goal. We responded with an eight-play, 77-yard drive of our own, scored on the beautiful TD pass and catch by Caleb Smith. Uh, One of the plays on that drive that led up to that was the crazy tip that Smith ended up catching and set up the touchdown. Smith, in general, had a great start to the game. West Virginia fumbled on their next drive, and we had a chance to really take control. And that was when we got stuffed on third down and fourth down. And that was after a missed TD pass. So we added insult to injury on that one. Wells had overthrown Moss and then got stuffed on fourth down. West Virginia added a field goal to make it 7-6. to six, And we got the ball back with 150 left in the half. But we're only, to take, only able to take 49 ticks off the clock. West Virginia gets it back, goes 70 yards in 50 seconds to take the lead at the half, 13-7. That score right at the end of the half, it was a sign of things to come. But it was a, it was a gut punch, man. That was brutal. This has happened to us so many damn times that we go into, and maybe it's either at halftime, sometimes it's to try and win the game at the end that we do this, where I have zero confidence still after eight years of this podcast in our ability, like in that situation, I'm not even thinking, man, it would be really great for us to get a score here because that would be you know great there's a, a minute and a half left i'm thinking i hope they take enough time off that the other team doesn't get the ball because they'll definitely score because it is every single time that the, the mentality is still not ingrained in this program or re-ingrained into this program that like that's your opportunity to score it's like we're 
we're on our heels thinking about like you know not giving the ball back to and undoubtedly we always do uh, and yeah. it's just so frustrating i would have rather in this situation with how bad our offense has been this year i would have rather run the clock but we can talk about that more later so they got the lead at the half we traded field goals with them in the third quarter made it 16 to 10 and so we're within a, a score going to the fourth but the wheels came off West Virginia added a touchdown on the run by Johnson after a long drive, then a field goal to make it 26-10. It was clear we couldn't come back, but we had to give them a pick six for good measure, and the Hokies lose 33-10. The story of the game, while it didn't come up in the recap, it was the penalties. 15 penalties for 132 yards, and I would also say a secondary story would just be our inability to swing the game when we had many opportunities to make big plays or, you know, swing the momentum. Yeah. Yeah. The, the penalties we talked after the first game, we had the whole stat uh, that we robbed uh, from Andy bitter, which was the most penalties since the 2012 Florida state game. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, then we talked the next two weeks about how, Hey, they've gotten rid of the penalties. Let's like hope that they don't, resurface and become an issue and then they go out and have 15 penalties again the same number that they had in the first game just and across the board it was not just false starts it wasn't just it was everything under the sun that you could delay of games just showing that they weren't paying attention or could get the call out it was offside it was targeting we had Pass interferences all over the place at bad times. Um, we had we yeah. hurt our o, our own offense a bunch of times on penalties, wherein we had stuff turned turned over. It was just it was so hard to watch. It was, just pissed me off. I was speaking of Andy Bitter. He had this to say in one of his articles: Two of the three most penalized games the Hokies have had in the past thirty six years have occurred this month. <laughs> think about okay. that 36 years we, we've got the two most penalties it's it's unreal like it is it is absolutely unbelievable that it could happen so soon after odu mm-hmm. and i guess if it's gonna happen under a new staff you would think they'd be coupled together but once we had a little bit of a buffer of a couple games you think okay that was kind of a fluke we got out of our system but God, this was worse than ever. All those first downs, was it seven yes. or eight first downs because of penalties on third or fourth down? Yep. Like, unbelievable, man. And that it was killer. I, that just broke our defense's back, a defense that was on the field for so much of the game mm-hmm. uh, and was trying in the red zone to, to keep us in the game. But yep. you, it just, you can't do enough at some point. And some of it to their own fault because they're committing the penalties. But man, I, that sucked. I just can't believe we had that many penalties. Yeah, we're third nationally in penalties, which is great. So we got a top five in some category. Um, we're uh, second in the ACC, I think, in penalties behind Syracuse. But I think UNC is uh, number three. So I think it might be yardage versus like number of penalties, maybe or gotcha. something along those lines. I looked up these stats today, so I know they're, I know but, they're pretty close. But either so. way. It's, it's bad news. Yes. And let's get into the offense because we'll end at least with some of the positives the defense put out there. But this offense is so one-dimensional right now, man. And I, I feel for Grant Wells, a lot's been made of his play 
And some of that's by us and by me on Twitter and everybody else that's bringing up his QBR and his stats and his, his completion percentage. But like, we cannot run the ball. The offensive line, it, it stinks right now. Like it really stinks. It's a hundredth nationally in yards before contact. Another stat bitter put out, but you could just watch them. They're not getting any push. Like, no. and we keep bringing it up, but it's getting worse. I, I know West Virginia is probably, they got a solid front. If the one thing they do well on defense is they have a good front. And man, if that's what it's going to look like every time we go against someone with a decent line, we are in trouble. Yeah, they, watching the line was, it was almost embarrassing. I mean, they, the defensive linemen were just manhandling. Like, even when our offensive linemen were on them, they still had both arms free and would make, like, the tackle. Like, there was, they were still moving forward, mm -hmm. right? And, and it was, oh, it's hard to watch. And um, it it is... Uh, yeah, I put out those, like, what could be happening on the offensive line? Some of it now has to be, it just has to be talent. There's no doubt. It's not just, there's no, it's not scheme. It's it's even, and I think French did a nice write-up on it, I'm pretty sure. And he talked about how even when they are doing what they're supposed to uh, from a fundamental standpoint, they're, but they don't have the physical attributes and like the the motor and moving their legs and pushing it to to really do anything on that offensive line. It is really really bad, and the, the running backs have nowhere to go. And what do you what do you expect Grant Wells to do? Right, every single person on the field knows that he's about to throw a pass, and because we can't get more than two yards on a run, everybody knows where the ball is going. We're we're a triple option offense, like in reverse. Like there's no run game whatsoever. It's just all we might as well be an air raid, but we don't know how to air raid it. Yeah, we had 11 carries for 12 yards in the first half, and just 35 for the game. It was the least amount of yards since we went up against Pitt in 2015. Another game that I attended. We had 100 <laughs> yards of offense total in that one, so we had more than that tonight. But uh, yeah, the worst rushing performance since 2015. And it makes it really hard on your quarterback. To that end, Wells had a rough night. 16 of 35, his third least accurate game of his career, below 50%. And his passer rating was under 100, missed multiple wide-open receivers, yep. which the pass protection from the line seemingly has been okay. But I do think that if you – always know that you're going to be relied on to pass on third and eight, third and seven, and you know you're not going to get any relief, that starts building into your psyche and it messes up your throws. Like, I, I think it's kind of all connected. Like, if the offense is running in rhythm and you get a nice run play and then you do a dump off and then you get a pass, then you might be able to hit that deep pass a lot easier because yeah. you're comfortable. And so I'm not trying to make excuses for Grant Wells. We know that he's average and that he throws interceptions and and all the rest of it. But this run game, it, nothing about this offense is going to get better until the offensive line starts playing better. Yeah. I guess that's probably a different, a different way to put the same point is, yes, it needs to improve in the pass game, and Grant Wells needs to get better. That is absolutely the case. But if we're talking about it, it's like, hey, you know, you have a, you know, you have a 
horrible, horrible habit of getting really drunk and driving your car everywhere, but you also are kind of late to work sometimes. You probably want to work on like the drinking and driving first and then get around to like <laughs> the part that's not as big of a deal or like, yeah, you know, you I some, hear you. it's, 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 yeah, there, one side is, uh, very, very bad. And then the other side, let's handle it. You know, once, once they have their act in order. We could talk about Caleb Smith because he was one of the very few bright spots of this game. In the beginning of the game, he seemed like unstoppable. He kind of went away, and that was probably because of what West Virginia decided to do, which was just drop seven or eight into coverage and maybe double cover Caleb Smith and not worry about the run and only rush three a lot of times. Um, But, man, Caleb, he looked good. He looked healthy. And I hope that we can get some more performances out of him like that. that. That grab in the end zone was awesome. Yeah, that was spectacular. Uh, We are now 112th in yards per play in the year, 117th in rush average. We already told you about the 119th in SP+. It can only get better, right? Like, we can't drop any more spots, can we? No. no. Uh, Then it'll be us in, like, UConn and... (laughs) Hawaii, or who are the other bad teams this year? Charlotte? I don't know. Yeah, so we're... We are down in the depths of it right now. So that said, we had like a terrible offensive ranking. And, you know, the goal that you and I established was just moving up a couple spots each week. And that's out the window. Yeah, that's not that is not happening Uh, on defense. We talked about how the offense didn't do them any favors, but it wasn't a good night, mostly because of the penalties. But we ended up giving up 421 yards. The most alarming thing was the rushing yards, the 218 rushing yards that Donaldson and Mathis and whoever else just were methodically pounding away at our defensive line. Yeah, it it just looked really easy for them to get six to 10 yard chunks at a time. And even when we knew it was coming, it was hard to stop them. I, I, I will say, so between the t- 20s, they were moving all over us and very methodical, like you said. It was not, it wasn't a bunch of deep plays or deep passes or huge, huge runs. There were some where they broke out, but it was very methodical, eight-yard chunks at a time, and it didn't seem like we had much of an answer for it. But then the defense managed to bow up, you know, in the red zone, and overall, they gave up. What is the math? They gave up 26 points or something like that. 20. Yeah. 26 yeah. points. And it's a good that West Virginia has a really good offense. There is a lot of talent in there, whether it's there. Daniels is good, man. I mean, yeah. he had his best QBR of the year. They've got those weapons on the outside. You're right. I mean that to only give up 26 points to WVU, even though they were on the road, like that's respectable. It is respectable. Yeah. And that, that is, if you had a decent offense, you hold them to 26, you don't have the pick six, you can expect to win that game with 26 points. It's not it's not ideal, but you should be able to win a game. If you, if you don't have the 119th ranked offense, yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's my, that's my point. So, uh, but it was, I thought, I thought they had a, it was not their best performance, but it was a good enough performance, especially to your point for how much they were on the field. Dude, their offensive line dominated. Like they, they had all five starters come back this year, including Doug Nestor, our, our old teammate. 
Uh, and they just pushed us around a lot of the night, which led to all those rush yards. We only got one sack yep. and zero hurries in addition. So we had five TFL, but one sack and zero hurries is that is very good protection for them because we know JT is not a mobile guy. So right. he was getting rid of the ball. They were protecting him. Uh, unfortunately, we did give up the eight first downs by penalties, yep. <laughs> four that negated our third or fourth down stop. But we didn't tackle well, and we didn't fill gaps, and that's something that the people in our reaction said. But it was it was apparent. It was probably our worst tackling game of the year. Yeah, I I would agree with that. We it's it was the best offense that we've played so far this year by a long shot. But uh, we did make a lot of not careless, but maybe not as thoughtful um, moves and, and, and big mistakes, especially like the Holly field and the Pollard penalties. That was, those were backbreaking at, at bad times and the one sacks, not great. So another week, but they need, they cannot be on the field that much. I mean, they were, they were gassed. It was nearly 40 minutes, right? Yeah. So that, that makes it tough. We're still 11th in rusty in the country after that game, despite giving up all those yards. And we're still top 10 in yards per play. And you mentioned the offenses we've played, and I'm leading into what we're about to go up against because the UNC offense is even better than West Virginia. I mean, yep. it, it is potent. Their quarterback is, is playing outstanding. And I'm hoping for this hurricane to come up the coast and slop this thing up because that's an advantage for the Hokies. <laughs> yes, I Let's play in the slop. I love the slop. Yeah. <laughs> our mother was a mother. That's right. um, takeaways from the WVU game before we get into our beer break. The O-line and the lines of scrimmage in general for West Virginia, they just showed up, and ours did not. Uh, well, struggled with the lack of the run game, and we already talked about the penalties. I'm just making sure I'm checking everything off my list. Oh, one thing I wanted to add was that Bowen and Rudolph, in combination, who's ever running the offense and the offensive line scheme, we have to get more creative. Like yeah. we, we, we've got to do something that's not just running Keyshawn King directly into the line because that's not working. Like we need to yeah. get to the outside. We need to do some pitches. We need to do some wildcat. We got to do something. I don't watch a lot of NFL, but it looks an awful lot like we're trying to run an NFL like style, uh, like style offense. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of a pro style um, run schemes and. We don't even have peewee style like uh, you know talent right now in the way that we're <laughs> performing on the field. So uh, I don't know. It, you know, Andy Bitter I think brought up in his article the our favorite jet sweep con- jet sweep concept, but I don't know what it is. I just know what we're doing right now is is not working, and in particular, just weird moments. Things just that piss me off so much about college football these days is. And none of the quarterbacks are able to take the ball under center. So they still take it in a shotgun on like a fourth and one um, up the middle and then try and sneak it, but it's not a sneak because it's a shotgun start. Right. It drives me crazy. And we we can't run that play. Like you, you're better off doing anything. Like if yeah. you do, then you have a higher percentage chance in the way that our offense is running the ball right now to do anything like than that, just, you know, have them run to the outside, just have the quarterback take it, do anything. 
it's just brutal to watch. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to get this first down. No, the net play was definitely made fun of on Twitter. Like, are you kidding me doing a shotgun snap like QB sneak? Um, And if you look at it, like we always run out of shotgun. So you're going to not run out of shotgun. And then you're going to clearly be running up the gut. And so it takes away some of the mystery. I'm not saying I, I like it. I don't like it at all. I think with our offensive line, it was a really piss poor play call. But there are just simply mocking the fact that it's a, a QB sneak at a shotgun is a little too glib, I suppose. However, it was a shitty play call. So Well, the problem is, is a lot of the announcers have caught on to this and they're talking about it. I've heard it come up on a bunch of telecasts like this year is it's not just Virginia Tech. It's all of college football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No college football QBs learn how to take the ball under center anymore. So they're all in shotgun. So when it comes to a fourth and one, when they're trying to sneak the QB up the middle, they they have to do it from shotgun because that's what they're used to doing. They don't know how to take it under center, and it adds all these dynamics. Are they going to make the ball? Is the exchange going to be good? All those sorts of things. So they do it under uh, shotgun. It's like, dude, take a half hour of your practice and do that because – you know how important a fourth and one is? I mean, this came up under Fuente, too. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. It's pervasive across the whole sport. Yes, yeah. All right, let's take a quick beer break. But before we do that, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. I don't know if you guys have been looking at our Twitter feed or just checking out Dominion or Downtown Crown's Instagram pages, but they've gotten some great releases lately, including the all-DMV everything from other half it was a collab with downtown crown and dominion and obviously their brewery and they made something called all dm the everything which reminds me of the all maroon everything which we we on occasion pull out with not so much success as of late but (laughs) nevertheless it's it makes me feel good and uh one of our listeners actually picked up that new beer release and picked up our sticker at dominion and so make sure you go over there uh it's right on west main street in Falls Church, beautiful store, sit, have a beer, buy some wine for your wife, whatever. And then in downtown Crown, it's in Gaithersburg, similar great selection. And they have the all DMV everything at both stores while supplies last. So go check that out and make sure to hit up downtown Crown and Dominion all season long for game watches or just if you're picking something up, they are the two best beer stores in the DMV. Robbie, for right now, I need to know what you're drinking. I am, I think I've had this on here, so I'll keep it quick. I'm having the Boulevard Flying Start non-alcoholic IPA, which I used to like. I don't know if I, it was maybe my dinner, I had some meatballs and spaghetti, which sometimes whatever you eat has a carryover, so it's not tasting <laughs> as uh, as good good this evening. But it's uh, usually a pretty good uh, non-alcoholic. Uh, what are you having? I am drinking the Shipyard Pumpkinhead. This is the first pumpkin beer we're having on the podcast this year and the first one in over a year. So I know it's not quite October yet. Maybe some people will listen to this in October if they wait till after the UNC game, but I couldn't wait. I didn't have a whole lot of choices I wanted to do on the podcast. You know, I'm not going to just drink like a, a Stone IPA that I've had on here before or a Budweiser that I got sitting on the bottom shelf. So I went for the pumpkin head. I had bought it early and this has always been one of my more favorite pumpkin beers of the season. And it still hits really good. I I can't even decipher whether it's changed over the years. The consistency with this beer is unbelievable. It's from Shipyard, made in Portland, Maine. Uh, Very recognizable cans. Got the blue and orange label. A little too much like UVA for my taste, but that's okay. 
the beer is good and it always i would say it's it's in the top five of my go-to pumpkin beers every year you got the shaftley up there the ale works uh i love weyerbacher makes without the pumpkin is obviously great um what's the no, I was going Southern, pumpkin, the pumpkin ale. Oh, the pumpkin uh, by, from Dogfish. Uh, yes, that's Dogfish excellent. Head. Yes. yes. And then there's another one from Southern Tier called the Warlock, which is a heavier uh, beer than like what I'm drinking right now. But the Warlock is one of my favorites as well. But anyway, Pumpkinhead by Shipyard, always solid. I would recommend it. Pumpkinhead was when I used to drink. Pumpkinhead was one of mine. Uh, the pumpkin ale, uh, dogfish head was the other one. The punk king was uh, too sweet. Like that, that one has feels like it has a ton of sugar in it. Yeah, those those are all good choices. Let's get into this UNC preview. Saturday, ten one, three thirty p.m. on ACC Network, taking on the Tar Heels down in Chapel Hill. But Hurricane Ian is coming, and you'll remember we did play a game against the Tar Heels down in Chapel Hill in hurricane conditions. Although I think the UNC fans try to forget that one. Yes. To this day, there is a ongoing debate about that game and the impacts the hurricane had on UNC's quarterback at the time. uh, And basically UNC's offense in general and what ended up happening. But uh, when the Hokies won, I still enjoy watching the Twitter fights between people, and it's been going strong once again uh, this week. Between, they did it uh, to themselves because yes. they put out that tweet that was like, with not counting the hurricane game, Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. hasn't thrown an interception in 700 passes or whatever the heck That's it right. was. And it's like, okay, you're just not going to count it? <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. And someone retweeted it again this week, and I loved it. Of course. Yeah, not not counting uh, our first game and our fourth game, Virginia Tech is undefeated. That's so, right. Uh, that's, what I, that's how I like to look at things, too. They are coached by Mac Brown. He's in year four. Last year, the Tar, he- the Tar Heels went 6-7, and 3-5 and five in the ACC. But it was well known that they were preseason top 10, and a certain team knocked them off in Lane Stadium. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. And that was when we, we had high expectations for the, the season after that happened, but uh, things did not, did not pan out as we had hoped. No. This year, UNC was 3-0 before they lost to Notre Dame. They have wins over App State, Georgia State, and FAMU. So not their wins, while App State seemed like a good win, they did allow them to score 40 points in the fourth quarter and nearly beat them. And then App State turned around and blew a huge lead to JMU this, this past week. So I'm not sure how good App State is anymore. I think App State's a good team. JMU's salty. And you're you're a JMU fan now, so uh, that's, that, true. that's uh, in the household. Uh, you've got to be. But That game was uh, awesome. We watched, yeah. we watched a lot of the games. My wife went to JMU and that comeback was was unbelievable. Pretty pretty incredible what, what they did, but they they haven't faced the stiffest of competition. But their their offense has been has been electric. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they are sixty seventh in the SP plus, so not too too far from the Hokies overall, but complete opposite team. Tenth yes. on offense, a hundred and thirteenth on defense. So they are pretty much just as bad as we are on their defense as we are on our, on our offense and vice versa. So it's, it's um, funny even reading the beat writers, uh, there seems to be uh, a little bit of aggression towards the coaching staff. And it's like, 
they're even in their articles like this defense is trash. Like that, <laughs> they are, they are like just yeah, all you, over. Usually, the journalists like kind of take it easy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, they they certainly are not. So the defense is is definitely struggling, but their offense is high powered. Yeah, it's 14th in yards per play. Like I said, 10th in SP plus, eighth in scoring offense. So they're putting up points, and it starts with Drake May, their freshman quarterback. He's been a revelation. Fourth nationally in QBR. 1,200 yards already, 69% completion, 16 TDs, one pick through yes. the year. Like, that, that is unbelievable. An 88.8 QBR, uh, that's very good. That's out of 100. So he's having yeah. he's having a very good year. And even against Notre Dame, a team that sports a pretty solid defense, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, and he has put up another 183 yards and a TD on the ground. So – not a huge threat, but he can move his legs a little bit. Um, all of those stats notably tie into, we'll get into their rushing attack because they have a good rushing attack. It did not show up against Notre Dame, but take that with a grain of salt. Notre Dame has a very good defensive front, so nobody really rushes on them. So let's hit the wide receivers and tight ends first. So they have eight wide receivers and tight ends with over 100 yards, eight of them. Um, and only one of those guys doesn't have a TD. So seven out of their eight top um, uh, have have um, a good wide receiver. And But they were missing the two guys that they just got back who are really electric, which is Josh Downs and Antoine Green. Yeah. Those are the guys that have been out. Uh, Antoine Green, I don't think, has played a game. I think Josh Downs may have played early in the season a little bit, but then was out for a few games. But both of them came back uh, this past weekend on Saturday and combined, I think had uh, almost 190 yards and and four touchdowns between them. Yeah, Antoine Green had three receptions for 150. Is that yeah? Is that what I saw? I mean, that yes. seems fake. It's and incredible. two touchdowns. Josh Downs has only played in the two games. Like he said, he's got four TDs. He's had two TDs in both games that he's played. Like yeah. those guys are really good. They've got a lot of talent on the outside, and and May can get him the ball. Um, you talked about the tight ends too, like Morales, Nesbitt, and Copenhaver are all putting up a ton of catches and yards. Their tight ends are responsible for 31% of their receiving yards, and that's with their receivers being really good. So like yes. they're using their tight ends quite a bit, and everyone's getting yards. Um, at running back, I know you said they didn't have a great game against Notre Dame, and that's true, but I had to talk about Omarion because yep. – it reminds me of B2K because <laughs> clearly <laughs> we're old now and like yes. people are having kids named after the, the pop groups from when we were in high school and stuff like that. But uh, there's also a Cameron. You know, we, we talked yes. about Cameron Kelly on this podcast in the past. So we got a Cameron and we got an Omarion. This this team could uh, could make a fire track. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, it is – he has been good. I mean – you got to almost take the Notre Dame game out, especially, um, you know, with the, he, I guess has 256 yards in the year. He has 5.3 average, five TDs, uh, but they're, they're third in the ACC in rushing yards uh, overall. So it, it was a bad week, but not enough to throw off their numbers overall for, for the year. So uh, I think they have, They've got a, a two-headed monster. Both their their pass game and and uh, their run game is is pretty solid for them. 
the only weakness I see, or at least a susceptibility, would be their offensive line because they are 83rd in tackles for loss allowed per game and 81st in sacks. So it's it's not a great line, and May's been getting rid of the ball, and they've been able to work some of these lesser opponents. But nevertheless, they haven't they haven't played a great defense other than Notre Dame, and they're still their overall numbers on the O line are not good. So yep. I think that our D line will have an advantage in this game over them, and maybe it's the first time uh, we can kind of lay the blueprint for how to beat Drake. Drake May. That's that's a very optimistic yeah. way to look at it. But like, we got to get some pressure on this kid. And for a little while in that Notre Dame game, they were doing a really good job on. Him. So I'm yeah. hoping that our coaches kind of look at what Notre Dame was doing early on and kind of mimic some of that. But we've got to we've got to hit it hit him. Like this kid hasn't really been hit enough yet. Like we got to we got to make him feel our presence. Yeah. In that same vein, I'm sure they're going to be watching what WVU did in the run game against <laughs> yeah. us and. Uh, and trying to exactly, exactly mirror that, um, but they are they are deep. I'll, I'll just add to that. I mean, those stats that Drake May—it's against lesser competition. That's without his top two wide receivers uh, in most for of those games. Of it, yeah. Uh, yeah, for for half of them. Yeah, he had Josh Downs for two of them. Um, but those first three, um, you know, Antoine—I think Antoine Green is really the the stud of of everybody on that. Um, that wide receiving core and uh, yeah. he's, he's back and he's going full, full throttle. Yeah. They're making the most of their talent on offense. We've been talking for a couple of years now, how Mac Brown's been recruiting and they're making the most of it on offense. It's the exact opposite on defense. They are loaded up with D linemen and high rated linebackers that chose UNC over us. And this defense sucks. It's 117th in yards per play, 113 in SP plus. And that's because of Gene Chizik. You know, they pulled this guy, Gene Chizik, out of retirement. You guys might remember him. That At one point, he had made a very poor UNC defense serviceable back in 2015, 2016. In fact, I think it was Frank Beamer's last year that they went to the ACC title game. I think Chizik was their defensive coordinator and they had a decent unit. But you pull this guy out of retirement, hasn't coached in years. These are the results you're going to get. And he is playing with a full deck of talent and he's still getting the 115th ish worst defense out there. Their D line has dudes like four star dudes all across. And what's funny is I think they play a three, three, five. So if, if it were me and I had all the recruits that they've gained over the years, these big linemen, four stars, five stars, even, and you only going to put three out there. Like, why wouldn't you run four? like, you've got this talent. And maybe they're not very good, but I, I just think like whatever was recruited, like you you, sh- you need to take advantage of it and they're not doing a good job of it. And then the coaching is poor on top of that. Yeah. And I think that's part of the saltiness from like the beat writers and, and those folks is there is talent. So it's not, it's not that, that part of it, it's. And people generally are not the biggest fans of Gene Chizik either. So that's also not, not doing any favors. It, it didn't really make sense that hire, you know, Mac Brown was already kind of a weird hire, like mm-hmm. a dated hire. Nobody knew if it was going to pan out, but it has at least on the recruiting trail. And, you know, and it has somewhat on the field as, as well. But then he doubled down. He's like, you know what? I'm old as shit and it's really weird. So I'm going to go pluck this defensive coordinator 
that's been sitting on his ass for like a bunch of years and then bring him in. And his scheme is outdated. He doesn't connect with the players, obviously. The game's changed underneath, you know, the sands moved beneath his feet oh, in yeah. that time frame. And um, you know, it sucks for those players because you know, you put them on a on a different squad and they'd be getting a lot of recognition. But right now everybody just looks at it as a really bad bad team they have seven sacks on the year two interceptions and two fumbles so not a lot of havoc anywhere that you look um and it they gave up 24 points to famu 61 to app state 28 to georgia state and then 45 to notre dame notre dame's offense has been terrible it's been this awful. year it's been awful and they put up 45 on unc so so we got a score on this team right like i mean Yes, it, it has. To, we have to be able to put up some points on this team. If we I can, the, I don't know what we're going to do in like the pit game or in this. We're going to be in in trouble if we can't do it this week. What's What's really crazy, and and this is what happens with the old coaches. You talked about Mac Brown, like weird hire, but like you can have an old head coach because they're not as involved in the X's and O's, and like they can just kind of run the thing like a CEO. And you can have an older CEO of a company, and it can run pretty well. You can't do that at your coordinator positions. You can't bring in someone washed up at a coordinator. As soon as these coordinators lose it, they freaking lose it, man. And it's not yeah. good. We we even saw it a little bit with Bud. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. the old Bud at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Chiswick sucks. Look at the look at the names in in the defensive backfield: Storm Duck, Tony Grimes, Cameron Kelly, Biggers, Don Chapman, Conley. I mean, these were all good recruits. Like Tony Grimes, like was a five star recruit. Storm Duck was was a very good player a couple years ago, like an all-ACC kind of player. And they stink. They have the 127th opposing passer rating. 127. There's 131 teams. Like, <laughs> Grant Wells has to be able to pass on this team. Like, we have to find a way to pass on this team. Yeah. I Yeah. The, the offensive line just has to get some form of a put. If – W, we talked about this before the WVU game. Their defensive secondary was so bad. It was abysmal. We talked about you know, smoking guns saying it's one of the worst defensive back units that they've ever seen. Not just for WVU, just in general. And we saw what happened on the field because we were so far one-dimensional. We could not run the ball. If Even against how bad this defense is, if we can't run the ball and we're one-dimensional again... They're just going to drop everybody and, you know, put people in double coverage and things like that. And they'll, they'll manage to stop the offense if you don't have uh, some form of a, a second threat. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're making fun of their defense a little bit, but like they still got Raymond Vahasic, that big nose tackle up front, and Rucker and Miles Murphy and Javari Ritzy. Like these, there are guys that on any given day, the talent is there that they can bust our offensive line up with the way it's playing. So, yep. uh, you know, if we if we come out and play like we did last week, we're not beating UNC or even coming close. Like, we need to find a little bit of a run game, just a little bit. And like I was saying earlier, you got to get a little creative. If you have to run a jet sweep, run a damn jet sweep. I don't care. But we, we've got to mix it up to the point that they don't know we're coming right up the middle. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And we're going to have to score points. If we could hold, you might be able, defense might be able to have an amazing night and hold that offense for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to do it for four quarters. Yeah. 
No, definitely not. Def- <laughs> yeah, we, we could get off to a good start. That's what happened in Notre Dame. Like, they got off to a really good start. They were holding them down, holding them down. All of a sudden, he had five touchdowns. Yep. So, like, you, you can only do it for so long. We can't have the situation like we just had against West Virginia where the UNC offense is just on the field for 40 minutes. Like, we yep. will lose, and we'll lose handedly. Um, their punter is pretty nasty if you want to talk about special teams. He had 50 yards a punt, and their kicker hasn't missed. Although, he's only attempted two field goals on the year. Only 10 teams have attempted two or fewer field goals. So if they do get in a kicking situation, one, it could be raining. Two, he hasn't kicked a lot of kicks. There could be some missed kicks in this game. I like it. That's what I'm here for is the, uh, the special teams coverage of the, on the podcast. That's right. That could be the difference. You never know. So overall analysis and keys, they just lost to Notre Dame. And they never have the best fan support. So I'm thinking that with the rain and the loss, like they, they're not going to have hardly anybody there. There's not going to be a lot of Argyle in the in this stadium. That's <laughs> that's for sure. So this could be one of those games. And I think it was that way for the Hurricane game. Where it, there, was. Whereas, it was. Like, as many, there's as many Virginia Tech fans as there were UNC fans there. So I'm not expecting atmosphere to play. I do hope that the weather – Gets in, um, you know, gets in there and, and causes havoc at least on their, you know, they maybe on their past game ball gets slippery and they go to the run. Uh, but all the more reason why we need to figure out how to run the ball. Yeah, because the the weather does favor us because they're a high flying kind of passing offense, but it only favors us favors us to a point. And you got yep. you got to do something right in the trenches if you're going to win a rain game. I'm thinking that May will probably have the worst game of his very young career in this one. Uh, but that shouldn't be too hard because he's been playing so well. But I still think that when this game is over, it will be his lowest QBR of the season. That's that's just my guess. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. He, he, he has not gotten rattled yet in any of these games, but I don't even know if it's going to be rattled as much as playing against a stronger defense and having to deal with the elements uh, and, at play with the hopefully some uh, – some nice slop for us. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, the, the weather could keep the score down in general, but if we can't find 20 points, 24 points in this one, like I'm not sure where we're going to get wins this year. You know, everyone's yeah. saying we got UVA at the end. UVA is not playing well. GT's not playing well. Duke's playing kind of well, but yep. it's, it's, if we can't at least show that we can score on a bad defense this week, I'm going to start to feel like a little concerned about where our next win's coming from. Yeah, I would agree. UNC is minus nine in Vegas, so pretty hefty favorites for how close the SP Plus is. But then again, SP Plus had us as a one-point victory over WVU, and we saw how that turned out. So um, I think nine's about right. I think we can cover it, but that's not that's not really what we're here for. Our next four games are UNC, Pitt, Miami, and NC State. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying coming. we can't win any of them. We've seen surprises. And just a couple years ago, after an embarrassing loss at home, we went down to Miami. We won a game. What do you think the likelihood is of us taking that embarrassing loss to WVU and doing the same thing down at UNC? They need to eliminate all the penalties. We have to find a run game. And the defense has to, you know, not be on the field as much and, and hopefully stop. It, it's going to take a lot. 
for it to go right. <laughs> Let's just put it that way as I'm as I'm looking at it. And it yeah, it's not to say that it couldn't. Uh, you know, hopefully Yeah. Um no, but, I see the potential for an upset, especially, yeah. especially if the hurricane comes through and is just as nasty and wet as it was the last time. Like you slop a game up, anything can happen. Protect the football, don't have the penalties, and then let's see what happens. It shakes out on the field, and we'll see if the defense can can um, you know hold them well, and if if the run game starts to materialize. All right, Robbie, let's do these picks. There's some fun games. I mentioned the two ACC matchups, and we'll start with them. NC State at Clemson. Clemson, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I think I'm going to go with Clemson. I went with Clemson last week, and they didn't get me to cover. I think that was one of the two games I lost. And so I'm going to go with them again. I, I just think NC State, this is what they do, right? Like they have the promising mm-hmm. season, and then they kind of like let it fall apart. You combine that with the fact that Leary's not playing very well and DJ's coming off a really good game, I'm going to go with Clemson yeah. to cover. I'm going to go with uh, NC State. So Ooh. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go the opposite direction. Do you think they win or do you yeah. just think they cover? I don't think that they're going to win this game, but I could see them covering. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in Death Valley, but I think they could keep it close. That. That said, Clemson just played a real nail-biter against Wake, and usually you don't see two of those a couple weeks in a row. So, um, But I'm going to stick with NC State. Wake at Florida State. Florida State, seven-point favorites at home. I'm going to go with FSU. I think Wake was probably real geared up for that game last week, a little bit of a hangover effect of taking the loss. So I'm going to go with Florida State. Yeah, Florida State as well. They, they put up... It was a beatdown last week, so uh, 44 to, what, 3 or something crazy? Yeah, yeah. They, they 44 to 14 against I, I looked up the score at one point, and it was 37 nothing Florida State. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, yeah. Boston College sucks. Yeah, that was that was brutal. I think they're, they're, they got it rolling. All right, next game, UVA at Duke. This, is, this will be a thriller. Duke, two-and-a-half point favorites, Wallace Wade. Why don't you give me your pick on this one, Rob? Yeah, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to go with UVA in this game, actually. Okay. I'm going to go with Duke at home. I I don't love the pick, but I'll I'll take Duke. They've been playing well. GT at Pitt. Pitt is 23.5-point favorites over the Yellow Jackets. (laughs) A divisional matchup. Oh, man. I'm a... Georgia Tech doesn't have a coach, right? So, yeah, they but, just fired Jeff Collins. Yeah, I mean, damn. I guess I'll take Pitt, but I, you can see like them, you know, let's rally kind of thing for for Georgia Tech happening. Yeah, what's his name tried to do that with uh, Nebraska after uh, Scott Frost got fired. Yeah. Um, what's his name on Cover Three? Um, I'm blanking on it, and that went that didn't go well. Didn't work. Uh, yeah, no, but yeah, did not that whole kind of last gasp. Uh, I'm gonna go. I don't think there's gonna be a last gasp here. I think uh, I'm just gonna go with Pitt. All right, it's a lot of points. Yeah, it is a lot of points. Louisville at BC. BC 15 and a half point underdogs at home. Louisville just crushed South Florida, a team that UF struggled with for a while. Louisville's back and forth. They're a Jekyll and Hyde team, but. I, BC's so bad, I gotta take Louisville. Yeah. 
I'm gonna go. I went with BC last week, and it did not pay off well. With uh, with pan out well with that Florida State drubbing. So I'm gonna go with Louisville. UK at Ole Miss. This is a top fifteen matchup. Ole Miss six and a half point favorites at home. I think Lane gets it done. I'm gonna go with Ole Miss. Ooh, Lane train is rolling. I'm gonna go UK. Now I don't know that the Duke fun was as. Uh, sustainable but um i don't know i do you think it, i don't know lane always he loves these kind of games uh, i should go lane i'm gonna go lane actually you got you convinced okay. me the lane train yeah i mean they they're playing they put a what a shutout on georgia tech two weeks ago or whatever it was yeah bama at arkansas arkansas 17 point underdogs after losing this past weekend to texas a&m I'm going to take Arkansas. I think they bounce back and they cover that spread. I have uh, I have Arkansas. And then Oklahoma State at Baylor is the last one we're going to pick. Got to squeeze a Big 12 game in here. Baylor, two and a half point favorites at home. I like Baylor. Yeah, me as well. Okay. Those were a couple I already had written down. All right, that's going to do it for the picks. Oh, man, it was... That West Virginia game, just it was rough. And I will say I had a great time during the day. I mean, Blacksburg is still undefeated. You go down there. The weather was beautiful um, later in the day. And we tailgated. We went to Tots, got to see some old friends. It was it was a blast. Like and that, like I said in the podcast last week, like when you have these night games, at the very least, you get the entire day to enjoy yourself thinking you might win the game. And so the day That's was right. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. You just get the hangover the next day, yeah. you know, reminiscing on how you didn't. That's right. All right, guys, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. It's 2DVT.com. That's our website. And then 2DVT at gmail.com is where you can email us any questions uh, or any comments or anytime you want to send us anything. Make sure you hit up the reaction line during the game this weekend. It's 540-251-2169. And finally, we are on Instagram at 2DVT as well. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And until next time, when we're hopefully celebrating a bounce-back victory over UNC, go Hokies. Go Hokies.